It is Friday the 18th of November. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. Good win by the Aussies last night in that one day in Adelaide, Shana. Yeah, I watched a bit of it. It wasn't uh, it wasn't enthralling cricket, but it was um, I got a good win. I, I thought Smith was a really good time for him to spend some time at the crease and leading up to the start of the, the test cricket summer. I thought that was fantastic. And Warner looked good as well. That's also good for our test team. Um, but mate, look, I'm just pretty excited. I'm taking Thomas a day off school today. I'm heading down the South Coast. We're having a boys weekend, mate. Mm. So I'm pretty excited, mate. Played a little bit of golf, Dom and I. Sounds very good. You enjoy it, mate. It is Friday. That means we'll have Shad Wicker on the show to talk Rugby League, World Cup, NBA and plenty more. Then Melbourne comedian Luca Muller with the World Cup just around the corner, just days away and all the latest in the UFC. In life, the most important thing is trust. Without it, everything is a lot harder in a quickly changing and turbulent time. Barclay Pierce Capital is a safe pair of hands, an organisation built on people. They understand you've worked hard to build your nest egg and their asset management business is tailored to suit your needs. Their services help grow your wealth in order to provide long-term safety and security for you and your family. BPC, just a phone call away. Whether it's for early morning coffee and pastries, long business lunches or post-work cocktails, head to District Brasserie in Sydney's CBD. With a modern Australian menu created to hero locally sourced produce and a unique offering of charred meats cooked on a custom-built charcoal oven. Situated on the ground floor of Chifley Tower, District Brasserie is open from 6.30am Monday to Friday for breakfast, lunch and dinner. District Brasserie, sophisticated yet casual. Afternoon Sport. Are you thinking about making a podcast? If so, contact the Afternoon Sport Group. We'll make it easy. With the technical know-how and industry knowledge, we'll get your podcast up and running in no time. Get in touch via our website or email hello at afternoonsport.com. It has got to be the best day of the week. Brisbane comedian Shad Wicker, he loves his rugby league just like we do. And Shadster, we're, we're down at the business end of the World Cup, my friend. Yes, it is, legends. We're at the business end and the Samoans are the fairy tale story we all want to believe in. Are you on board? No, I'm not. I think I think oh. I think the Aussies had a bit of a scare in the semi, and I think we're going to come out. I think we're going to dominate by 20 points. I reckon. Well, the line's 18 and a half, so mm. I think uh, I feel like it might be close. I reckon that New Zealand playing physical against the Aussies really kind of riled them up a little bit. Um, obviously, Australia has the better side; it's massively better. However. Yep. However, have you seen the side for the all-rugby league World Cup team? Yeah, well, George Williams uh, got the halfback spot. I did see that. Yeah, well, did you see how many Samoans are in the squad, dude? I did see that too. <laughs> and, and look, that's the thing. They're, they're, they're littered with talent. You could start the fullback. You go Sawali, Luai halfback, Paulo, and, uh, you know, you've got so many – Alihi, you've got so many great players in there. Man, it's so good. It's so good. And I think that they're playing – Really well together. I think it'll it'll be fun. It'll be exciting. You've got you've got chemistry in this squad. I also am just itching on the idea. I've put a I'm putting a punt on. Uh, my bet is Jerome Luai anytime try scorer. Okay. Mm. Uh, last time I checked, he was around five dollars. Okay. 
And I think, you know, he's got he's got white line fever, and I'm not talking about the same one you get at a Newcastle <laughs> nightclub, Caelan Ponga. I'm talking real white line fever. And I think he might score a try. And I also would love to see Samoa win, not only because of the awesome fairy tale and the, you know, the heart-wrenching conversations that Paul Kent will start having about, oh, we've got to change the eligibility laws and this is well, oh, this sucks and I'm all four island teams, but oh no, they shouldn't be able yeah. to beat us. I also want to just see what Jerome Luai does in the sheds afterwards because his track record of after winning big titles and doing something yeah. crazy on social media, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Wait, do you think it's better for the Samoans to get off to a good start or come from behind to start throwing the ball around the end with that sort of laissez-faire approach. What do you think is better, have them, them oh, leading or chasing? I think the thing with Australia is, is you know, their bench, you know, who we've got coming off the bench is outrageous. I think you need to get ahead early yep. um, against the Aussies because I think we – it's a side full of, you know, very successful players. It's been moved around a little bit. There's the halfback issues, blah, 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 blah. Physical footy rocked us a bit from New Zealand and yep. them getting out to that quick start made the Australian side look a bit frazzled because mm. they don't have a game plan because they don't all play together all the time. Whereas Samoa, you've got Crichton, you've got Lua, you've got you know, Toto, you've got them all playing together in club footy. I think if they can get out early and make Australia have to go, oh, we need to score quick and panic a little bit, it could come down to that last 10 minutes. Yep. Yeah, and, and well done to Matt Parrish and Jeff Toovey and the whole coaching staff. They've galvanised that football team. There was some controversy over coaching through the mm. course of the year and whether the Johns boys would do it. Well, these guys have done a fantastic job, so well done to them. Uh, what about the West Tigers and the way that they're building? They've done the swap, um, Hastings to Newcastle and Clemmer to the Tigers. Uh, they're building nicely, I think. I don't think they're going to make the top eight, but um, give it a couple of years. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about the Tigers at the moment. What I did love was how the media reports were going, oh, the Knights are going to settle for their te- for their plan B, which is Jackson Hastings. And I was looking at it going, man, I feel like Luke Brooks versus Hastings. I think Hastings plan A, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> Good point. Um, I, I'm fascinated by what's going on at the Tigers. I think everyone's kind of going, yeah, you know, they're improving. Well, of course you're going to improve when you finish with a wooden spoon. You know what I mean? Like you're going to, you're going to improve. Yeah have to. The Clemmer signing's great in that swap. I think that's really good. But the thing that's troubling me is I've spoken to a few journo mates who are saying that the Dewey situation yeah, going on at there? West Tigers is not all it seems. Apparently, his management is looking for a new contract. They're keen to shop him around. And the Tigers are yet to even sit down with him and discuss the new contract Ooh. and the position of where he's going to be in this club, which makes it seem like Dewey could be leaving at the end of his current contract with the West Tigers. And his manager has apparently already said that he's shopping the te- shopping him around, forget this, 900000 a year. <laughs> what? Wow. He played three positions. Well, that's the thing. The guy can't lock down centre, fullback or half at the Tigers and he's worth 900000 a year? Gee whiz. What are you talking about? 300 per like, position, yep. That is insane. I want, sell- I, want, I want him selling my car. Oh, mate. And the, the, the thing is, like, I mean, look, no offence, Tim, but, I mean, yeah, yeah okay, you played for Lebanon. Lebanon, whoop de doo You know what I mean? That doesn't earn you $900,000 in the NRL. I think what's fascinating in this is if they've gotten rid of Hastings, right, mm. who's the pairing for Luke Brooks, you would think Dewey's your fullback or your other 5'8 for Luke Brooks, yeah. right? But now it seems like you're not talking to Dewey and you're going to let him go because you want to have the money. Does this mean that the Moses rumour could actually be true? 
because you're letting one, a starting 5'8 leave, mm. who's already been playing pretty decent for you. You let Maddock go to the Brisbane Broncos, who was your young upstart, who, to be honest, in his handful of, well, less than a handful of starts, looks better yep. than Brooks. Yep. Then you look like you're going to let Dewey go as well. That kind of, to me, conspiracy theory goes, you're looking for nearly a million dollars to try and pay Moses to come over. Yeah. Get the old band back together. I think Moses should go to rugby union, to be honest. That would be a great rugby union player. Really? Yep. Yep. Well, well, we do need a fly half. Yeah, I mean, desperate something. for a fly yeah. half in rugby union. <laughs> what, what about Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL, buddy? Oh, I love this. As a Dallas Cowboys fan, boys, uh, our big rival is, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles. They were on an undefeated streak. Philadelphia fans are the worst fans in the world. And uh, they actually had to eat a loss on the weekend against one of the worst teams in the NFL, the Washington Commanders, who we've spoken about <laughs> on this podcast before, a team whose owner looks like he's going to be going to prison, a team that looks like it might get bought by Jeff Bezos soon. Uh, it's fall, all falling apart for the Eagles. Obviously, they're still 8-1. and one. Obviously, they're still one of the best teams ever. And if I want to be honest, boys... Uh, they are looking better after the loss. They've just signed two veteran defensive tackles to just reload this team that has got everyone in the NFL asking the question that we all ask in the NRL about the Roosters. Where are these guys getting this money from? <laughs> there's, there's plenty over there. Just quit the NBA. Uh, Irving is coming back after all this stuff that's gone off, off the paddock. Yeah, I know we like to talk about Ben Simmons a lot, boys, which, yep. by the way, rumour mill, he is apparently going to be offered on the trade block later this season. Um, <laughs> Kyrie Irving has been out for the Brooklyn Nets, uh, same team as Ben Simmons, obviously, after he shared a tweet promoting a movie that had some anti-Semitic themes in it. Mm. And the cl- the team, uh, and partially the NBA, who, by the way, the uh, the man who runs the NBA is Jewish, yeah. um, they, they kind of came down on him and he got suspended by the Brooklyn Nets. He had a whole bunch of things he had to go through in order to be able to come back, which was donate to certain programs, yep. to mm. p- participate in some certain programs as well, and publicly apologise. Now, the weird irony was the Nets started winning and Kyrie quickly started to apologise Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> once the team started to win. Um, now it looks like he's set to return. And this is also after people like LeBron James came out publicly saying, look, what they're trying to make him do just to come back and play after he's apologised is a bit overkill. And to be honest, I feel like it kind of was as well. I think there is an element of you kind of making this guy do a lot, but I also feel like it's a bit of blowback from how he's behaved over the last two years as well um, for this team that is obviously frustrated with the fact that Kyrie Irving is... The vaccination and all that stuff. Yeah, he was not vaxxed. He didn't play. This Mm. guy's been signed with the Brooklyn Nets for three. I think he's in his fourth year now, which was a player option Mm. for tens of millions of dollars or $100 million, I think, total in the contract. He's gotten so much money from this club, but he's only played... A season and a half worth of games. Yeah. So wasn't he born in Australia? He'd be good in the Boomers. Oh, mate, he'd be great for the Boomers. <laughs> Go get him down here. Get him yeah, down to the Boomers. <laughs> Shad Star, can't wait for this World Cup final. Can't wait to talk to you again next Friday. Good to chat. No worries, boys. Enjoy yourselves and have a lovely weekend on your private yacht there, Tim. <laughs> oh, please. It's more like the SS Minnow. Good you, mate. See you, Shad. Coming up next with all the UFC and the World Cup soccer, it's Melbourne comedian Luca Muller. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. 
He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies, and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group. They exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth. Through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach, there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. Find the Osher Group online at theoshergroup.com. Oh, we do love a Friday, don't we? That means it's Luca Muller time. How are you, Luca Muller? Melbourne comedian, one of Australia's best. G'day, mate. Yes, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Look, Luca, we are great, mate. Let's start off um, UFC 281. What's happening? Oh, yes. So that all went down last weekend. Uh, so good. Best card of the year, I reckon. Lots of uh, exciting yeah. fights. Lots of good storylines coming out of it. Obviously, at the top of the card, we saw Kiwi. Israel Adesanya was KO'd in the fifth and final round by Alex Pereira, ending his middleweight reign which is the second longest middleweight title reign of all time. It's just such a great story. Alex Pereira, they had fought twice before in kickboxing in 2016 and 17. Alex Pereira got the better of him back then as well, um, beat him once by a very close decision and then beat him once in almost the exact same fashion. Close fight, Izzy was edging it on the scorecards and then gets the the KO in the last round. So it's amazing what he's done. Like Israel sort of left kickboxing to get away from him. Alex followed him over to MMA, ends up in the UFC. <laughs> Chases him all the way to the title belt. I feel bad for him. Like, what's going to happen next? He's going to retire, try to play some golf, and Alex Pereira will show up on the green. Just he'll, he'll join the <laughs> yeah, club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. So you'd reckon a rematch is probably in the works there, but he's got a got a record of three and zero over him. So incredible stuff there. Um, we saw some other good results. Zhang Weili reclaimed her women's strawweight belt. Uh, Dustin Poirier mm-hmm. got back in the winner's circle with a third round submission win over Michael Chandler. This one was a bit sad, but we saw Frankie Edgar, one of the all-time great UFC fighters uh, over three weight divisions, former light welt title holder, of course. Uh, he had his retirement fight. He'd announced beforehand this is going to be his last fight. No matter what the result, this is it. Um, didn't go too good for Frankie. KO'd in two minutes by a knee to the head. Um, not what you want when you're clocking in for your last shift, is it? You, you know, mm. imagine that showing up for whatever it might be. Last podcast, <laughs> last hosting gig, last TV interview. Oh yeah, how'd it go? Yeah, yeah it was alright. Got a knee to the head and I was out of there in two minutes. But <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, changing to the world game, for a moment and Cristiano Ronaldo what do you make of what's going on over there at Man United now this guy's the biggest brand in world sport like they say he's the biggest influencer for someone like him at the stage of his career to be caught up in a in a shit fight we described there's no other way to describe it um it's that's embarrassing. It's it's a, look, it's, a, it's a it's a bad way to win. He hasn't got a long way to go, has he? Yeah, exactly. Embarrassing is a good word. I think that's a very good word there, Tim. Um, doesn't have long to go. This should be the time in his career when, whether it's at Man United or another club, smaller club, there was talk of him going back to Sporting Lisbon where he started his career as a teenager. Uh, didn't end up happening. But no matter where it is, this is meant to be the twilight years. Probably doesn't have it in him to give too much to the team physically. Um, but he is still a great player, very skillful, can score goals. So it's a shame they're not able to find 
find a way to use them a little bit and sort of cultivate their relationship so that they both end up getting something out of it. Um, it's a real bummer to see one of the greatest careers of all time sort of flame out at the very end like this. I hope, fingers crossed, maybe there's another yeah. chapter. Maybe he will get that move to Lisbon or maybe to the MLS is probably a good home for him. Somewhere that he can just get a bit of game time. The fans can see more of him and, uh, yeah, he can put a bit more of a nicer button on his career than something like this. You'd hope so. Look at the World Cup's close to starting. Um, we're seeing journalists get threatened on the street, saying we're going to smash your camera in, stop filming. We're yeah. seeing the Budweiser tent being moved off site. What's going to happen at this World Cup? Will it be a fast? <laughs> yeah, tough to say. It's going to be very, very interesting one to keep an eye on. It all kicks off on Monday, of course. Um, I'll try to make a few uh, few predictions for things that right. happen on the pitch, I suppose. Um, what we'll do here, obviously we're covering it over the next few weeks, but these are some things to look out for going in. Um, so number one prediction feel pretty confident about this I think Brazil is going to absolutely dominate Um, will they go all the way hard to know tournament football is uh, an impossible beast to understand but I think their squad is just so good uh, across all three lines obviously led by that Deadly, venomous attacking front line. Neymar, Vinicius Jr., Rafinha, followed up by Fabinho, Martinelli, yeah, Thiago well, Silva. The names just yeah. go on and on and on. This is the strongest team they've fielded in years and years and years. Uh, I think maybe the only man that could be standing in their way is Lionel Messi, who, in stark comparison to the guy he's always compared to, Cristiano Ronaldo, is playing as good as he ever has. Um, his body doesn't have it in him to play like he used to, but he's sort of adapted his game and he's playing so well at PSG uh, and he's got a great supporting cast at Argentina this time as well Martinez Dybala Alvarez Mm. I feel like that is the fairy tale story of the World Cup if that can happen if Lionel Messi is sort of it seemed like he was also having a bit of a rough sort of ending to his career recently as well. Yeah. Obviously, it was a mess with him leaving Barcelona a couple of years ago. Uh, and Maradona died, which obviously was a, a family member of his mm. and was sort of affected him very personally. But now that's sort of all done and a little bit uh, on the other side. He seems happier than ever. And if he can get this, tick off this one last uh, one last achievement, then I think... Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a beautiful thing to watch for Lionel Messi there. How's Australia gonna go? Great question, Tim. <laughs> Hard <laughs> to say. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence. I think it's just great that we're there, which is good. But I do think that one thing. Um, I think even a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, I was geeing up France. I was saying France is gonna mm. be right at the top after seeing their squad selections and the injuries they're actually dealing with. I feel like France could be a little bit not as good as expected, which could maybe leave the door open uh, for the Socceroos. I think Denmark's. Going to be really strong in that group. If the Socceroos could like even squeeze one point out of France and then beat Tunisia, mm. you never know what could yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, that's the thing about the World Cup is it's so unpredictable. But yeah, France just has so many injuries. They don't have the midfield depth, which is normally where they build the engine of their game. They've got no Pogba, no Kante. Obviously, have very strong uh, forward line with Mbappe, Giroud, Griezmann, guys like this. But um, yeah, like I say, I feel like the door could be a little bit open for some interesting stuff to happen in Group D there with Australia. You've got to be careful with the way you say Kante's name, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got Pogba and beep, all injured. <laughs> it's not going well. <laughs> but yeah, can't they? How the Germans go? 
<laughs> oh, you won't get a day, bit. I think the Germans are another one who uh, might be a little bit underperforming. I mean, I say underperforming. They haven't played well at a World Cup in quite a while. Um, but, yeah, they're sort of lacking a little bit of depth there as well. And Thomas Wooler, who's sort of a good driving force for them up front, he's coming in injured. Not really sure if he's going to make it in. I think some good dark horses to keep an eye on. Uh, could be Senegal. People sort of riding them off a little bit. But yep, they're yep. Red by, led by Sadio Mane, Koulibaly, Ismail Assar. They're coming in hot off a win of the African Cup of Nations only a few months ago. Um, and they're in a pretty weak group as well. Group A with Qatar, Ecuador, the Netherlands. So they could sort of play themselves into form. And then, you know, who knows how far they could go in the knockout stages. And then Serbia as well, I think. Um, there's mm. That's the thing with Europe is because there's such a hotbed of like football talent. These teams that aren't historically great can sometimes just happen to band together a great team and I think Serbia has that this year lots of good players um, tough group Brazil, Switzerland and Cameroon but uh, yeah they definitely have the firepower to at least score some exciting goals the uh, the Serbs there Absolutely Luca on behalf of Carmichael Hunt and Henri Leconte we'll see you next week <laughs> Thanks boys I'll see you next Tuesday maybe eh? Yeah <laughs> That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. Big thank you goes out to Luca Muller and to Shad Wicker. Also our sponsor, Shana. Yeah, fantastic sponsors, Barclay, Pierce Capital. They're only a phone call away. Absolutely. And our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. We're back on board on Monday for your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Join us for our Afternoon Sport Racing Bulletin brought to you by Bluebet. What I'm backing and why. Tim Gilbert is joined by racing journalist Matt Jones and professional punter Brad Miller discussing which horses they'll be betting on this weekend and why. Catch the show Friday afternoons ready for your weekend of punting. Subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast app. What I'm backing and why. Happy punting.